parental advisory. Great. Mistakes. Good examples. It's a little bit harder for me to remember good examples of leadership in the Navy. I believe partially they're less dramatic. Good leader. I think I mentioned I'm going through good to great right now. There's a thing called a level five leader. The top of the line. What what sort of CEO runs a company, leaves the company's outstanding. He takes it from a good company that, you know, is around, changes the trajectory to be better than every company, every other company, not necessarily just because they have some crazy new technology. It's not, what's his name, Rockefeller, inventing pipelines or whatever, I think, I think he did more than that, but you know, he was the first one doing some of the stuff he was doing. It gave him an advantage, and then over time, that advantage went away, even before the breakup of the company under the monopoly law, whatever that was. I'm not that. I read history and watch History Channel and stuff, but I don't memorize it. So get off my back if any of that's wrong. Point is, These guys took a company from mediocre, surviving kind of, changed the trajectory to beating the stock market every year. Then they left. Someone else took over. It continued to beat the stock market. What sort of qualities did those leaders have? They were humble. They tried to get a consensus. They tried to... They tried to talk to people who were experts in that area, figure out what would be the best thing to do. Often, those leaders didn't make the decision. They would if it came down to it. They were also sacrificing of themselves, sacrificing for what they thought to be the best part. They would take a risk to make what may be a minor part of that business to be a huge part of that business. They would fire their family to get the best people in and get rid of nepotism in a company. Maybe some of those are dramatic. Most of all, they were just... Most of all, they allowed people to do their jobs. Well, how many stories can you remember of a guy being nice to you Asking about your day, seeing how your family is, allowing you to do your job. How do you tell a story about that? Making a friendship with you, becoming, you know, all those qualities of leadership aren't stories. They're the way that certain people live their life every day. And I think that in that realm, the Navy's a little bit different being that it's so large. I don't know or have known the CO of an aircraft carrier. I saw them a couple times in my life. I don't even know how many times I actually saw them 
walking down the, the hall. I seriously may have only seen the CEO of, the, of a ship, you know, 10 times. I don't have a relationship with those people. They could make terrible decision. A reactor officer could make a terrible decision. That does not mean the levels of leadership below them were good or bad. That's just a statement on one individual, but because there are so many layers, you can have good and bad. The good is harder to define. I know there were a lot of people that I worked with I don't want to go through everyone and try to come up with some story about this guy being nice to me. I don't think that would necessarily be entertaining. I believe saying there were a lot of good people, they had a lot of good qualities. They were the qualities that I mentioned, letting you do your job, trying to help you out, getting to know you as a person. When they could trust you, giving you trust, not micromanaging. Getting the most out of the people they could get the most out of. I think, too, for the lower-level leadership, like for me, it's friendship that was making the world go round. It was my desire to help out my shipmates, my desire to help out my friends, even some people who didn't really do their job. I'm thinking of one person in particular who wouldn't do his maintenance, but he would come help me do mine. Then I would say, hey, man, don't you have maintenance? Oh, yeah, don't, don't worry about it. Look, let's go do it. We ended up becoming maintenance partners because he would hang out with me doing my maintenance. Then I would say, well, we should do your maintenance too and then you won't get in trouble. Friendship was making the world go round. Also, that kind of from your, I guess I was a first line supervisor, something like that as a work center supervisor. But, you know, your chiefs, your LPO, your officers in the reactor electrical division, that group of people, I also think they got more out of people when they were friendly with them and good leadership qualities than you can turn people off and they can, like I did, sit there and switch gear for four hours and not do anything when we're supposed to be roving because you pissed them off. You can take somebody who's willing to work, a person I said got, was going to stay in the Navy for 20 years, busted his ass every day and was great, he went from that to, I'm getting out as soon as I can, and I'm going to do as minimal work as possible. But one person I do, uh, I guess a person that I think that was a good leader, was a good leader to me, for me, but I can't necessarily think of a particular story about leadership. It was uh, Meyer Peter. He was really cool nice he knew he was a very smart person and he knew what he was talking about but I always found him to be helpful if you had a question he wouldn't yell at you he asked about you another this one was a little funny it was uh Chief Torres I talked about him he was always on point that was a a characteristic that I got from him when I said I I became in charge of people and I wanted to be on point. I wanted my haircut to be sat on point. Navy term, 4.0 is a Navy term. But I wanted to be 4.0. I wanted to be on point. I wanted my haircut sat. I wanted my shoes polished or slightly polished. I was never a master at arms. It was never glass. 
couldn't see yourself in them, but they were solidly black at all times. They looked like someone had attempted to polish them. He would get two hours of sleep. I'd wake up in the morning having done some work with him. I'd show up to work. Maybe I was tired, so I got up at the last possible second. I thought, I'll shave after quarters. I'll brush my teeth after quarters. I'll whatever. And I could just get out of bed. I look like garbage. I throw on my uniform, walk down to the thing. He would show up. His hair would be wet from the shower. He got the same amount of sleep I did or less. Well, clearly less because he took the time to take care of himself. And that stuck out with me. Doing the little things makes a difference. I think it's part of your self-esteem. I definitely feel better about myself when I take care of myself. Although my job right now, I just sit in a dungeon somewhere. I don't really care. (laughs) Maybe I should put more effort into my haircut and such. A story about him, though, that I thought was funny. There are true believers. I said I look at everything. I see the game. I try to play the game. Get the best outcome, you know, risk, reward, cost, benefit. He was a true believer. I remember they had these pillars of watch standing success. Every time I see some HR, I don't want to say every time. Jim Collins, the author of Good to Great, actually talked about core values and how that is important. Most of the time, those make me laugh. If you do it properly, it really does make a whole lot of sense. But the Navy had these seven pillars of watch standing success or something. It was the cheesiest thing. I don't know how. I don't know why they thought it would be great. I don't remember hearing anybody saying, oh, the seven pillars of success. I'm so glad we got this. This makes so much sense. We left the training. Everybody mocked them almost immediately. I remember talking to Senior Chief Torres about the seven pillars of success. I made a joke about him, as everybody was. I did to everyone. What do you mean? What are you talking about? Well, there are a couple good ones. But, I mean, come on. I didn't think it needed an explanation. He liked it. He was on board with it. Different personalities, I guess. But that's why he was a senior chief, and I don't know if he went officer or something. I'm sure he went on to bigger and better things. I got out of the Navy. There were a couple others that I'm only going to mention because I do think I have a funny story about them. One of them was a big guy. I never worked for him. He was an officer in a different department. He was a prior enlisted that I would, actually both these guys are prior enlisted. As a low dispatcher, I would sit next to them for my watch based on their watch station. And I hung hung out. One of them was my, my, when I was the watch team low dispatcher, this guy was the watch team officer in charge of everything. The other guy, we just spent a lot of time together because I stood that watch a whole bunch. He would come in and sub in. He had, they were both tough guys. I think one of them was described to me once as cool guy, but you don't want to work for him. 
demanding, demanding of the best from you. But it wasn't personal. It wasn't negative. They just had high standards. But the one guy, he benched like 300 pounds, rode a bike 20 miles to work every day. He bicked head, tough-looking dude. He told, this, he told me the story once about how he read an article, kids don't know what they look like when they're pitching a fit in the store. If you show them how ridiculous it looks, they'll stop and never do it again. He's in the grocery store with his wife. His kid starts pitching a fit, two years old, I don't know, something. He said he jumped on the floor in the middle of the grocery store and started banging his legs and making noises, wah, 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 crying, pitching a temper tantrum in the middle of the store. The kid immediately stopped. The wife went right out, left the basket, and went right out to the car. She said, don't ever do that to me again. When they had another kid, he did the exact same thing. The other guy was my watch officer. Uh, like I said, we... We did the, um, I guess I'll get more into it in the next episode. But we had a really good, he was smart. He trusted me. He let me do my deal. We worked it out where we would just give specific updates, mostly me to him, but him to myself in case we needed anything. I know what you're doing because I know all the steps. I know what you're doing because I know all the steps. Let me know at this point and this point and this point. We ran a drill the first time we did it. His desk, I don't know, maybe if we both reached arms, we could touch hands. We were pretty close. I couldn't even see his chair. I couldn't see him. Three or four or five people in between just surrounding us. It was crazy. We got back from a deployment. I think we were back from a deployment. Could have been in between deployments. We were talking about the food that you get on the ship and what it what it's actually like. He had said he got home right back from deployment and his wife was at work. He comes home, it's three o'clock something. He's hungry. He goes in and decides to make pizza. His wife can come home. He'll, what a nice guy. I made pizza for everybody. Well, him and his wife. He goes, makes the sauce, puts the sauce on there, gets the crust. I guess that's all backwards. Gets the crust, puts the sauce on there, cheeses it up, you know, pepperoni, whatever stuff they have in the fridge. Cooks it, eats half a pizza, decides to leave the other half for his wife. Thought it was pretty good. The wife comes home and says, what the hell is that smell? I don't know what you're talking about. You don't smell something funny in here? No. Mind you, he's been on an aircraft carrier for months, which smells awful. She goes into the kitchen. Smells the pizza. It's this pizza. She opens the fridge, opens the drawer with the cheese, looks down in there, 
oh my God, you used the cheese. What cheese? There was cheese in the back of this drawer. Yeah, I used the cheese from the fridge. What other cheese am I going to use? That's been there for a couple months. I just never got around to throwing it away. He made a pizza with terrible cheese that stunk up the whole house. The wife comes home. What the hell are you doing? What's that smell? And he'd eaten half a pizza. (laughs) Didn't even realize it. I immediately say, oh my God, you've got to be kidding me. I have the exact same story. I got home. My wife was at work. I'm looking for a snack. I'm a big salty ear. I like to eat chips. Open the pantry, looking around. I see some chips in the bottom. Go and I start eating these tortilla chips. I eat like half a bag because I love chips and I'm hungry. Just trying to try myself, tide myself over till Mary gets home. She comes home, sees this these chips. Oh my God, what are you doing? Did you eat those chips? Yeah, they were the ones from the bottom of the pantry. Yeah, I grabbed them. Those have been there for months. I just never got around to throwing them away. Then she picked one up. It bends into the shape of a U before it begrudgingly breaks. This is the stalest chip ever. Well, it tasted fine to me. Seemed normal to me. There were a couple other really good leaders to me that, I mean, there was a bunch of them, but directly in charge of me that kind of helped me out where it was myself, Chief Simonis, Simper. Simper was another guy. He, He would go if he saw some, if he saw some dirt somewhere, sometimes he would just go sweep it. I think he just liked it. We, I, Why is Joel sweeping? I don't know. Told him I'd get somebody else. He said, don't worry about it. Everybody loved him because he would do that. I would try to have everything clean before he got there because I didn't want him to, I didn't want them to, him to burden himself. So I think that's a good move. There's also... Stories, if you ever read a book on leadership and inevitably, invariably, whichever you prefer, they will tell you the story of some guy who turned around Continental. One aspect of this person's leadership style in the 90s, turning around Continental, he would go sling bags with the, I don't even know what to call them, the bag worker thrower guys. He would go down there when you check your bag and he would help load planes with bags just to show he's a humble guy. He's not above everybody else. Continental, obviously a big company at the time. I don't even know if it exists anymore. But at the time, it was a big company. He, his reputation was there, even though he didn't have a personal relationship with everyone. Oh, my God, look at the CEO. He... He was doing the bag, and I guess apparently he's the only one who's ever done anything like that because he's the one in every single story. But Chief Simonis, he was just a really cool guy. He, uh, he'll be in other episodes. He just really looked out for us. He let me, 
He trusted me. He let me do my job. He had a cool way about him where when he needed you to do something, it, the way he asked it was, and I know it was intentional that he tried to be a good leader. An example that I thought of on deployment. Hold on a second. Maybe I got to write this down. I don't want to forget this. I just thought of it. And, uh, well, I guess I'll just tell the story right now. On deployment, but I'm going to do like a day in there, a day in the life episode. But we had different days of the week. It's like a master at arms day. I think I mentioned that. We would roll it all our sleeves up real big. It gave you something to look forward to. What's today? Oh my gosh, today's Tuesday. This is what you do on Tuesdays. Master at arms Monday, probably. Uh, you know, like everybody's got a taco Tuesday, wasted Wednesday, thirsty Thursday. I wish I could remember more. Maybe I'll have to get... I thought I would remember more, but I don't. I remember the Master at Arms. We also had Sundays was No Shave Sunday. I think that was probably for a couple reasons. One, on a somewhat regular basis, the commanding officer would say, Sunday, it's your day off. It's civilian clothes Sunday. You can wear regular clothes around the ship, and that's okay. We could always wear regular clothes to go to the gym. You could not wear regular clothes and then go get something to eat. Hanging out in your birthing, maybe you're just wearing some comfortable clothes, your jammies, you decide to go eat, you take off your jammies, you put on your uniform. That resulted in most people just wore their uniform. My department, we were still working five hours. We were on five and 15s. You're working at least five hours on Sunday. You're going to be in the plant. You have to wear your uniform. We couldn't really partake in the, whatever it was, the civilian clothes Sunday. I guess maybe I should finish that. When it was civilian clothes Sunday, go get food. Wear your regular clothes. That's fine. Go to the ship store. Wear your regular clothes. That's fine. We would be the only a-holes wearing our uniforms. They came up with No Shave Sunday. I don't remember what exactly had happened, but I had been up. Maybe I was on watch. I was doing something. I don't think I had shaved maybe Saturday. And then it was Sunday. And I was like, ah, No Shave Sunday. I'm not going to shave Sunday. Mikey, he had also not shaved. So it works in her suit. System works in her suit. Neither has if it shaved. We are walking through the second deck from plant going toward the office, which takes you by the line for the galley, the aft galley. Right there, there's a little cutout that leads you to the brig. Zamona says, walking the other way. He says, hey guys, let me see you. Can I talk to you guys for a second? Very regular thing. He's living his life. Maybe he's going to watch. We're doing our thing. We need to have... Often we'd see each other. Hey, I just want to catch up on this thing real quick. Okay, you got it. Okay, I got a thing, but you got... Okay. And then we didn't... That was a meeting for us. He says, hey. You guys... uh, 
you know I love you, right? And we laughed. Yeah? Yes, Chief. Okay. Please go shave. Yes, Chief. Had someone... Well, number one, it was awesome and funny. And true. I'd seen a Chief on a Sunday... They told me to go shave. I just went back to birthing and didn't shave. What are they? They're not going to come back there and check. See you on Monday when I've shaved. But he had a cool way about him. I think another good story. When. When. We were. Doing maintenance. When we were in these shutdown periods. We would at times have all hands sort of maintenance. I'll get into that a little bit in the maintenance episode, but I would walk around and talk. I maybe for my I'm I'm a I can BS to pass the time. I'm doing a podcast. And kind of self-explanatory. I also think that I can be entertaining more, more more, so than maybe this podcast. But I would walk around and try to keep everybody entertained, try to be there if people needed me. It's boring as hell to sit around for eight hours or 12 hours, however long you're going to be there, looking into the same three-foot by four-foot cabinet, rubbing paint on stuff. new guy was there I started talking to him hey what's up you know what you're doing it's all in one little room I'm talking all the other 20 people in the work center can hear hey who are you what's your name I'm talking where are you from I'm from New Jersey New Jersey get the fuck out of here New Jersey Yeah, New Jersey. You know everybody hates New Jersey. New Jersey is the absolute worst state in the United States of America. It's even in movies. Everybody's trying to leave New Jersey. I go on like this. I was trying to think of a quote from a movie that I couldn't remember, but I go on and on about how New Jersey's a shithole. I had several people that were friends from New Jersey who would tell me stories about New Jersey's and all the... Guido's there and the Jersey Shore and all this other stuff. I was going on about all the dumb people in New Jersey, which I was better at doing stuff like that at the time because I really don't go off on anybody randomly ever for at least, you know, 10 years since I've been out of the Navy. I'm going on and on and on about how New Jersey sucks. Chief Simonis walks in. Well, I'd forgot he grew up in New Jersey and then moved to Georgia. And I'm going off on how terrible New Jersey is. Someone says, hey, you're saying New Jersey's bad? I said, fuck yeah, chief. New Jersey's the worst fucking place on planet Earth. I would rather live in Iraq than fucking New Jersey. Complete shithole. Well, hey, I'm from New Jersey. Oh, I was saying... Everybody from New Jersey is a fucking piece of shit. 
So you're saying everybody from New Jersey is a piece of shit. Yeah, I'd rather live in Iraq. It's a complete fucking shithole. I'm from New Jersey. And I stared at him. Do you think that means that I'm a piece of shit? Well, Chief, are you from New Jersey? Yeah? Then you fucking figure it out. Another great person who looked out for me a lot, good leader, was Master Chief Heater, who's awesome and amazing. I told you a story about how he let me sleep in during cleaning stations. There's also a time when he really, really looked out for me. One of the few people who really stood up for me going above and beyond. All right, I cut out the last telling of that story. I managed to tell 32 parts of it out of order. The 33rd, I said, I need to, I need to do this over. The time Master Chief looked out for me, it was... I was in charge of RE32 starting this program from scratch. It wasn't from scratch... The vibration analysis part had been around for a while, but they were doing it in a new way. I was keeping track of things on a spreadsheet. It hadn't been all worked out. The process for communication also hadn't been worked out. That became an issue. We would have, I would take a sound cut or one of my subordinates would take a sound cut The graph was supposed to look like a flat line with the beep. Think the opposite of an ER movie where the person's in there. Oh, give me the thing. He flatlined. You see the little bump. Well, the, the graph was supposed to be flat, then have a little bump. If something was bad. Now, they knew how some of these other machines worked. The graph wouldn't be straight up. It would be kind of an average of some other machines. Your bump was supposed to match the bump. If your bump was two times higher, okay, there might be an issue here. There was also a system. uh, Small, medium, large. Good, better, best. This is a small problem. This is a medium problem. This is a large problem. Something like that. Okay, well, I'm seeing a bump. It's a little bit over, or maybe it's a lot over. Let's say I'm seeing a bump. It's way over the other one. It's way higher than I think that it should be, and it's telling me, you know, small problem to no problem. This seems like it's twice as big, three times as big. Maybe that's not a no problem. Maybe that's a, at least a small problem or a medium problem. I would then take that picture that I got, put all the information I had gathered about, hey, this is the time of day, this is the speed it was running in, if there were speeds, every piece of information I could think of, leaving nothing to 
chance. You don't know what's going to be important and what's not going to be important. My job was then to send this email to this contractor. Part of the communication problem, there wasn't an official way for us to communicate. I kind of send this guy an email. He kind of sends me an email back. The problem, they didn't necessarily understand the way that the Navy works when you're in it because they weren't in it. And sometimes through their communication, I wouldn't maybe have time to have gone through all my chain of command before they had told somebody who then asks one of my bosses about this situation and he doesn't know. Is this always the case when someone asks your boss a question you haven't told them about, they're never going to say thanks. They're always going to be pissed. And I had had several conversations about how we were supposed to try to deal with these communications. Uh, it probably doubled the time I saw the reactor officer. I maybe saw him for a couple, three boards in my career. Then I had to see him a couple, three times for this. Other than that, I never talked to the guy. So we're underway before a deployment. Maybe we went out Monday to Friday. We're going to be back for the weekend. Then we're going on this deployment on the next Monday. Midweek, I'm sleeping in my rack. Somebody comes, knocks. Hey, there's a phone call in the lounge. Get up, answer the phone. This call. Hey, I'm in such and such plant. The such and such piece of equipment is making a horrible noise. Can you come take a look? Yeah, sure thing. Go to my office and get the machine. Go down the plant. Once I hit the top of the stairs, I hear this noise. Like that. A noise I've never heard before. It doesn't sound good. It's a crappy noise. It has completely filled the room. It's not right under the stairs, the equipment I'm going for. It's more towards the center. It's far away but I can hear it at the top of the stairs. It's truly horrible noise. Go down, hook up the machine, take a look at the graph. It gives me a small to no problem prognosis, but there's a spike that seems maybe it's more than a small to no prognosis. It's my job to look. It's my job to make an assumption about should this be more? If I think it might should be more, I'm supposed to send this guy an email. It's the middle of the night. Now it's more toward the early morning. I get up. I go walking forward. I get up out of the plant and I'm walking forward to go to my office to upload the information in the computer, take another look at it, and then send this email. On the way there... I see my boss, not my chief boss. Remember when I was doing this, I I was kind of took on most of the responsibility and it was mostly myself and then an officer. The officer actually was in charge of this, that, the other thing, one of these, one of those, five of those, and then this program I was running, meaning he wasn't 100% vested in every aspect of this. He just wanted certain specific updates, which was part of the communication problem we had. I see him in the hall. 
I do one of those meetings like I was talking about with Zamonis, regular occurrence. I just happen to be passing him. I'm doing the thing. I say, hey, man, I'm going to my office. Somebody called me down. They asked me to do this. I did it. This says this, but I think maybe it should be that. I'm not sure. I'm going to go send the guy an email. He says, okay, cool. Go up to my office. When I'm writing the email, you never know what could be an important piece of information. I verbatim quoted the phone call. This kind called and said me this. That, you know, I didn't exactly say that. I verbatim quoted it without saying the operator call and said this. I just put what he said. I was called down because this pump is making a horrible noise. I looked at the graph. It doesn't look right. Can you take a look for me? Something like that. I wait till the end of cleaning stations. I go back to my rack. I get up around noon, walking forward to go to the office. Someone passes me in the hall. Hey, the RO is looking for you. When the RO is looking for you, it's never good. The RO has never looked for anyone in the history of the universe to say, you did a really good job yesterday. Thanks. That's literally never happened. The RO only looks for you to say, fuck you. Because of that, it's a funny joke. Sometimes people will see you in the hall. Hey, the RO is looking for you. The department master chief's looking for you. It's almost always a joke. I assumed it was a joke. The guy, the first guy who told me the RO is looking for me, I said, fuck you. I laughed. <laughs> fuck you. Go on my way. Another guy passes me in the hall. Hey, the RO is looking for you. Oh, crap. Two random people didn't conduct some experiment to play some joke on me by passing me in the hall randomly. Apparently, the word's out, this dude's actually looking for me. I go to the office. They say, oh my gosh, you're here. We've been looking for you. Really? I've been in my rack. I don't know how it seems every time I'm telling a story about something bad happened to me, somebody's looking for me. I'm in my rack. How hard could you have been looking? I don't, I don't know. But I was in my rack. I said, well, I was in my rack. I'm thinking to myself, what could I have possibly done? Did I break any rules? I haven't broken any rules. I haven't done anything wrong. I have no idea what I possibly could have done. I didn't even show up late to anything. They said it's about that email you sent. What email? Email. Email about that vibration analysis. What? I have, I sent that email this morning and I just got up. I haven't checked my email. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, they're pissed, super pissed. What? Well, I'll go read the email. Go get the email. Go get the printout. Go get all the information. Print it off. Come back down here. Then, this is Master Chief Heater, then we'll call them and let them know. I said, okay. I go up to the office. Sure enough, this guy's replied to me. He says, 
you're right. This shouldn't be a no problem. This should be a medium problem. But because you said it's a horrible noise, I'm going to go ahead and say it's likely to be a bad problem. The bad problem means you need to fix it, like right now, or turn it off till it can be fixed. I looked to see who he emailed. He replied to me. <laughs> he replied to like a couple admirals. He replied to the guy who's responsible for fixing every piece of equipment in, uh, in San Diego. I mean, it was like emailing the janitor and then emailing the CEO of a Fortune 500 company and the board of directors and everyone on the board. And you're like, this is complete. <laughs> this, this is one of these things is not like the other, right? I understand what's happened here. So I print everything off, I go downstairs, give it to the master chief. He calls whoever he's supposed to call. He says, meet us down and plant in three minutes. We walk down and plant, get our earplugs, walk down to where it is. As soon as I hit the top of the stairs, the noise is gone. The noise is gone. I get down there and the RO rips me a new one. Now, I said the RO only only wants to see you to say F you, but they don't. If the floor needs to be swept. The RO walks by. He goes to his office, makes a phone call. Some other guy comes and yells at you. When the RO's mad at you, they usually just have somebody else do the screaming. This particular case... This guy is F-bombing me. This fucking pump isn't making a noise like that. What does... Are, do you hear a fucking noise coming out of this pump right now? And I was explaining to him, which he wasn't really interested in hearing, the pump was making a noise when I was called. When I, call, when I came down here, it was making a noise. It's not making a noise now. But nobody called me to tell me that it wasn't making a noise. I didn't know that the noise subsided. This goes, we pretty much go through a cycle of him just shouting at me and me trying to answer his question for about five minutes. The whole time, maybe he thought, I think he thought I was lying. I don't know why he thought I would lie about that. But I think he thought I, I was lying. And finally, the guy who came around happened, the guy who was on watch and made the phone call, he was back down there for whatever reason or on watch again. He came up, threw himself into this, sacrificed himself. Thank you. He said, sir, I'm the one who called him. I called him down here in the middle of the night because this was, in fact, making a noise. The guy said, the RO said, oh, okay. But it's not making a noise now. No, sir, but it went, and they kind of have this conversation, maybe between the two of us, whatever. He says, okay, he calms down a little bit. He says, come up to my office. We walk back upstairs to his office. I'm nervous. I'm sweating. This isn't going to be good. 
it's me, the officer who's in charge of that stuff that I had seen in the hall that morning, and Master Chief Heater. There, there might have been another officer in there too, the REA. And we get in there, and the guy starts ripping me a new one. You fucking sent this email, and you didn't fucking tell anybody. Right? Well, I did. I told that officer sitting right across the table from me at 5.30 this morning that I was going to do something. Didn't I? But I didn't, <laughs> I didn't throw him under the bus. I was just going to take it. Obviously, him sacrificing himself wasn't going to do him any good. I guess it probably would have done me something. He still maybe have been mad at me. I don't know. What I do know is as the guy is yelling the F-bomb at me because I didn't let him know about a problem and that this was a reoccurring issue, Master Chief Heater drops the F-bomb on the RL. He says, now hold the fuck on, sir. And everybody stopped. And he said, this sailor just got out of his rack right now. He sent an email. He was up all night doing this work. He sends an email. Nobody tells him the sound stopped. He hasn't even gone up to check his email. How's he supposed to tell you there's a problem when he doesn't know there's a problem? If he knew there was a problem, he wouldn't have to send the email. He's waiting on the email to know if there's a problem. Before he knows there's a problem, he's getting yelled at for that. He's getting yelled at for not knowing there's a problem when he doesn't know when this other person is going to respond to this email. And they're in a completely different time zone. The nature of everything immediately changed. Master Chief Heater stood up for me and probably because he was making good points and everything, he uh, made it so that it wasn't some 06 just letting some E5 have it. He was, have, it was an E9 having a conversation with an 06. The fun, what it turns out to be and why the person was justifiably mad, I mentioned that email had all of the, you know, all the boards of directors and then the janitor on it. Some admiral had asked the CO why the ship wasn't going to be able to go on deployment. And the CO was like, what? The CO asked the RO, why isn't our ship going to be able to go on deployment? He says, what? It has something to do with X. What no one knew because they had changed all these rules and this, the RO ended up saying after he'd calmed down was they had made some changes to the rules. If you're going on deployment and you have a piece of equipment that's deemed vital in some way, you know, I don't know how it all works and I don't remember. If you have some sort of, you know, ranking of how important pieces of equipment are and maybe they do, that getting that red means you have to change it and if it's important, you need to change it before you can leave. So the President of the United States could have gotten a brief saying this ship 
might not be able to leave in three days or four days on the scheduled deployment, all because I sent an email at five o'clock in the morning with some information about a pump. I had no, like, obviously, if I had known, hey, if there's a problem with this, then we're not going to be able to go on appointment. I wouldn't have half cocked, send off some email, right? I would have said, I'm not sending this email. I'm not touching that with a 10 foot pole. I'm not touching that with a hundred foot pole. I'm not doing it. I might not have even, I mean, the two choices is pass the buck, very likely, or wait like, hey, can you guys let me know if this noise goes away in like three hours and then I'll do it again? Some Sometimes things happen. Yeah. So Master Chief Heater stood up for me when the rules were changed and nobody even knew what the rules were. He took the heat. My advice for people in the Navy. Now, Mary's cousin joined the Navy, went nuke. He, funny story, he went to the ship. We realized that LaFleur was going to be his boss, and he was on the ship with Jeremy. And one of his first days there, Jeremy walks up to him, a master chief coming up to the new jerk-off, says, hey, Oh my God, what did I do wrong? I said, no, no. I know you're, I know Mary. If you need anything, give me a holler. <laughs> He's the best. So what I told him was, look, there's two ways to go, right? Two ways. Work like crazy. Work your butt off. Do the time, right? Own it. Be a part of it. Be the best you can. Read the books. You get perks like stuff I've mentioned. There's other stuff that I haven't mentioned yet. Like I didn't have to do the the physical fitness assessment, the PFA. I didn't do it. The last one I did, well, we were on deployment a bunch. So I can't remember the last one I did, but it was probably in 07. Well, in 08, we were on deployment, and then I had a bunch of stuff to do. And they said, Cole, you got to go run the PFA. No, I don't. What will happen is they'll put me on the fat kid program where I need to go and I need to do push-ups twice a week at 7 o'clock in the morning and meet somebody. I'm going to do what everybody else on the fat program that I know does, which is not show up at all. And if I do that three times, then they might kick me out of the Navy, except for they won't because I'm a nuke. They tried that once. They kicked a bunch of people out, and then they stopped again. But the key is I'll be out of the Navy by the time they do that third one, or it'll be right around there. It won't matter. It doesn't affect me. I forget who was in charge. I forget who was the E6 or E7 or whatever that was in charge of doing that stuff. Maybe it was an E5. I don't remember. Anyway, the person said, so you're not going to go. No, it'll work itself out. Okay, 
Well, what if I just write down that you did 50 push-ups and you basically did the bare minimum for my age? Oh, dude, if you do that, that'd be awesome. Yeah, okay. Well, that's how many you did. If somebody asks, this is the numbers you got. You marked me down. Then I never did a PFA again. Everybody just marked me down. Same thing happened in training. They started saying, look, you need to go to every training. If it's not your training, then go to it anyway. I went. I literally went to a small, the first time this happened, I said, oh, I'm going to play the game. I went, showed up. It was small valve maintenance. I'm load dispatcher. I'm never going to do any of this stuff. I'm not going to waste an hour of my time ever again. They said, hey, you need to come do this. You need to show up to mechanic training when it's mechanic time. And I said, there will never be a day where I fucking show up to another mechanic training. I don't give a fuck what you tell me. I don't care. The worst you can do is tell me that I'm not allowed to, what, be low dispatcher anymore? You're going to say that I can't be in charge of this? Okay, then replace me. I'll go back to doing the bare minimum. I don't care. This going to training that has nothing to do with me is beyond the pale. I already know everything I need to know, but I'll go to training on stuff that's at least a refresher. I don't need this at all. I'm not going to go. This guy's doing it just to make himself look good. And the thing is, I don't give a fuck about him. He doesn't care about me. I don't care about him. And I, if I don't care about him, I care even less about his career. They said, okay, I'll take care of it. They had the mechanic and the ET, the, I forget who was in charge of it, but somebody was marking me off. Every time I didn't go to training, somebody was marking me off. I know because they would come out and say, hey, if you didn't go to training, you didn't go to training. Hey, looks like you missed the training. You should have gone to six last week. Hey, looks like you missed the training. They never called my name. So they, somebody was marking me off. As I said, I, I had leeway with kind of, uh, I had leeway with your kind of direct supervisors. I mentioned that a little bit. And those obvious Examples I just gave. Another benefit, which doesn't really seem like a benefit, but it is a benefit, you know a whole bunch of stuff. For the tests, people might say, hey, here's some interesting facts to study. Or, what am I trying to say? People, we, we had to take tests regularly for various reasons. Before these tests... People would get together and study. When I first got to the ship, oh no, I got a test tomorrow, crap, I got to study. Then you would break open the books, however it worked. You would just spend a couple hours on watch instead of seeing a movie, whatever. Then it got to the point where I said, I'm just not going to study anymore. You're not going to study. No. Why not? I already know everything. There, the chance of me failing this test is 0%. I might not know a question, but there's no way that I'll not know enough to fail a test, basically. The relaxation, that it was similar. We had oral boards all the time. Some of them were for qualifying various other reasons. I 
bad lucked, which ended up being kind of a lucked out, I guess. For whatever reason, my last two years, three years, maybe from 07 on, 07, 08, 09, I pretty much had every single oral interview you could get. When they called a list of people, I was always on the list. Partially, they take kind of a new guy, and then they'll take a senior guy. I think the way that I had qualified, I was either the new guy or the senior guy over and over and over and over again. Well, after I spent time, you know, my first one, my first one was on 07. I was super duper nervous. I barely know anything about this. By the time my last year or two, I didn't have to study at all. I didn't have to look at anything. Nothing mattered because I I knew from, you know, part part. Part of it was I was training everybody on all this stuff, and now you're going to ask me something I've explained to somebody else 50 times? Yeah, I'm probably going to do okay. Hold on a second. I'm going to cut away and then come back to... uh... So that's the good deals I got from doing a lot of work, but I'm getting a phone call. We're back. Sorry, just getting a phone call. Hopefully it wasn't too awkward at the end while I was distracted. I talked about the good deals you can get up to and including you know more, which is a good deal for you. Whatever you're doing is easier when you know what you're doing. You never have to make something up. The other way, don't kind of know what you're doing and make some stuff up. Don't kind of be good. The guys who are okay, they still have to follow all the rules. Nobody's going out of their way to make sure those guys don't have to follow the rules. Those people probably complain. I know they do. Why is this? What do you got to do? Right? They're not. I'm not saying that in a negative because they shouldn't complain. I'm saying that's their mental state of mind. They're in a bad spot. There's nothing they can do about it except suck it up and take one in the junk. That's the benefit of being super good. You get some leeway. You can, at times, do something, either because you're willing to do the work and they'll trust you to get it done and you built the rapport, or... Because somebody will sign off for something that you didn't have. You're like, that's, I'll do a lot of crap, but that is too much. Okay, I'll take care of that for you. The flip side, skip right through the middle. Get all the way to the other side. Don't do anything. Too much of that, obviously, is a problem. It's more about your choice of what to do and what not to do. Show up to watch every single day on time. Do the minimum when you're qualifying. You can't not qualify. But then what? Nothing. Make asking you to do something a chore. Goes back to the hookups for fuck-ups. 
When they ask you to sweep the floor, don't do it. Nobody's going to really punish you. I had ways you could not do those things. Maybe if you want to be smarter, be a little be a little more devious, don't just not do it. Sweep part of the floor. Make it look like you tried. Just don't do a good job. And they'll come find you. Hey, I told you to sweep the floor. I did. Yeah, I kind of noticed you did, but you didn't do good enough. And go sweep it again. About half again. They'll have to come a third time. How many times are they going to ask you to sweep the floor if you keep screwing it up? Not too many. I had a friend. I'm going to be very vague in this because I'm not diamond out my boy. I had a friend who didn't do anything. He did so little, people didn't even realize he was part of the work center. Doing it all hands maintenance. When I first got to the ship, not first got to the ship, but I'd been there a while. I was new. All hands maintenance. You meet down. There's a time. Specifically, a lot of times it has to do with flight ops. Can't do some certain work when flight ops are going on. You find your window. You work it out with the upper chain of command. Somebody says, this is when you can do it. Come back down. Everybody meets in time to set up. You need everybody there the tools ready to go, then you can start, right? As soon as you get the go-ahead. So, everybody shows up. We'll go through the list. Is everybody here? What about so-and-so? He's on watch. What about so-and-so? She's on watch. What about so-and-so? Hey, you and you, go find that guy. What about so-and-so? That would be kind of typical. I'm staying in this watch... Somebody says, is everybody here? Not somebody. The work center supervisor asked the assistant work center supervisor, is everyone here? They replied, yes. Brief pause. Well, except so-and-so. Yeah, he, do- he doesn't count. They knew he wasn't going to come. So they just ignored him as if he wasn't a part of the work center. Su- or as, as, as if he wasn't a part of the work center. Later on, a couple years go by, at least a year. They come up every single day for maybe two weeks. Said one plant's got maintenance, all hands maintenance. In two weeks, exactly. Next day, one hand, all hands maintenance, 13 days. Every single day, for the longest period of time, they said when and where this all-hands maintenance for one plant was. Now, I was always in the office. I knew that they had maintenance because I'm talking with the work center supervisor in one plant about it. I'm talking with Hughes about it. But everybody knew because it was constantly told to everyone this is where you go if you are with this group you go here this day three weeks from now two weeks from now today tomorrow by the time it got down to the day of they might be telling you five times a day just so no one had the excuse to say oh i didn't know 
I get off watch. I had plans to do something with the guy on a semi-regular basis after this particular watch. I walk in to birthing, standing there. Says, hey, ready to go? Hey, man, I, uh, don't you have maintenance right now? What are you, what are you talking about? Yeah, you, you, I know for a fact you have maintenance right now. I have no idea what you're trying to tell me. One plant has all hands maintenance right now. You're supposed to be such and such place at such and such time. We can't do the thing that we do sometimes. You've got the thing. I I never heard about that. I don't I don't know that. I don't No, I I yeah, I don't know anything about it. Yeah, they said it every day at quarters for the last like two freaking weeks, bro. You're supposed to like two weeks. They've been telling you every day you're supposed to be here at this place at this time. Your whole work center is gonna be down there working. They told everybody that they had to be there. For, for two weeks, how do you not know? So, are we going to do the thing or not? Like, well, okay. Yeah, sure. If you worked for me, I would make you show up. But if they're not going to make you show up, they're not going to make you show up. He'd been there so long, that was his operating procedure that's how it worked for him he was good enough at showing up on watch he didn't get drunk and drive and all these problems that other people might have he didn't have any of those problems he just didn't do his work he only had the minimum amount of work to do then because his only work was showing up to watch he didn't do anything else Other people were more annoying about it to me, maybe because I had to do their work. Like I was saying, this one person got an award when I got an award, but I had done this person's work for three weeks in a row. Well, how is this person getting an award with me when I do all when I do all the work? How is this person getting an award for me when I do all the work? Another example, and I talked a little bit about maybe ha making up a scenario about a sea bag inspection. I'd known people who'd gone, th gone through that sea bag and said, oh, we're going to get you good. We're going to make you do a sea bag inspection. I don't remember. I think maybe I had to do one. I ran around. I had to borrow a bunch of stuff. We were underway. It was bad. Nightmare. That's how everybody treated it. But I saw one of these people who just really didn't care they took advantage of it they use it to their advantage and another example of using a punishment to your advantage and this is the best we had a person who got in trouble not going to say what it is but the individual was given community service hours 
you have to do, I don't remember the number, 100 community service hours. Boom, that's your punishment. You show up to work every day, but sometime the nights and weekends or whatever, you have to do these community service hours. And that can be sometimes on, um, you know, during the day if you have to get with somebody or sometimes you have to go to a different spot on the ship. The person was also assigned some regular, like some non-nuke watches to do some extra stuff. This person did say they were given 100 community service hours. This person did four or six. That's it. Didn't do anything. Nothing. The only time this person did community service hours, they would say, all right, guys, we got a field day this afternoon. Hey, I've got uh, two community service hours lined up over here, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be bailing on you, but good luck with that. Only used, only did community service to get out of work. Masterfully, masterfully done. And I think, depending on who you are and your level of putting up with stuff, the Navy has a hard time being stringent enough to make you do everything. Most of the time, all those people who ride the middle, their work ethic, maybe they have an extreme fear of getting in trouble. The small amount of times you have to do a, a sea bag inspection, maybe you had to do one once a quarter. You had to go do a sea bag inspection and blow it off once a quarter because that they finally had it up to here with you and you not doing the maintenance and you not showing up. Well, you know what? Doing one all-hands maintenance probably takes more time than that sea bag inspection. It's you you win. That's a good deal for you. Find a way to lower your personal standards and figure out the pet peeves of who's in charge of you. Show up to watch on time. Maybe do one or two of the pet peeves where somebody might really blow up on you. But for the most part, they need a body to stand watch. They need somebody to breathe to stand watch. You Maybe you're a really hard worker. You can do all the maintenance. Excuse me. Maybe someone else is a really hard worker. That other person can do all of the maintenance you, on the other hand, still need to be there. Not being there, that person can't do two watches. He can't be on, she can't be on two watch teams. They need people on watch teams. They need a breathing body. Other people can get assigned the maintenance. It makes it difficult for them to... I think it's difficult from a manning standpoint on their side to get rid of everybody who maybe isn't 100% perfect. Plus, there's the aspect of people just don't want to deal with it. My idea would be to do it my way, which is try to be the best you can be, qualify everything you can qualify to try to get some perks. If no perks are available to you, maybe you don't have good leadership like I had, or 
for whatever reason you don't want to put in the time and effort, don't just ride the middle. Because I think the middle is the most work for nothing. You could be like McPherson. Some guy decides he just doesn't like you. You do whatever you're supposed to do. Not really a whole lot more. You end up with a bad eval. Well, why do you get a bad eval? What He did everything he was supposed to do. Guy just didn't like him. Well, if they don't like you, maybe do nothing. I did... I was that first guy for a little bit. You know, I'm just trying to ride the wave. Then I I guess I kind of did the do nothing. But I, when I didn't qualify, that was me do, not doing it in, in the bad way. The, do not do that. Do not do that. But yeah, I was kind of the guy who rode the middle. And I had a, my, my esteem was better. My life was better. I felt better. My self-respect was more when I did a lot of work. I think not doing work, maybe you won't have this very large self-respect for you not doing work. You'll have some laughs because some funny stuff will probably happen. But overall, yeah, I think that would be my advice. That was my advice that I gave. Ending. Okay, I think I'm kind of getting close to the end of this. In terms of episode topics, I've got a watch standing episode, then I may do a port call episode. I have a maintenance episode, a what I'm proud of episode. Hold on, I can pull it up right here. Yeah. Oh, I have a, I don't remember what I said. A day in the life episode is going to be kind of something like that. And then an A school, power school sort of episode. Then I have my final episode. So I think that's where I'm at. It might not be in that particular order. I have a lot of them written out already. I don't have the port calls one done yet. Just wanted to give a heads up of where I'm at in the process. Got a few left. I am assuming it's going to take a while. Some of them may only be, I think this one may be a couple hours-ish. I'm not sure. I'm hoping they'll all be more this length. That six-hour one was a beast. Obviously, five hours, I don't remember. But it takes me that long or longer to record. Then I have to listen to it. So, well, anyway, I don't really know. I just needed an ending. That's where we're at with the series that is all